You are listening to Ocean Potty, the podcast hosted by me, Mads Ocean, marine biologist, underwater content creator, and general ocean frother. Each week, I invite a new guest on the show for a chilled glass of wine or two and some lighthearted chat about the ocean. So stay tuned as I attempt to prove that it's not all doom and gloom for our blue planet. Hello and welcome back to Ocean Poddy, the podcast where we get a little bit drunk and chat about the ocean. Today I am coming to you from another day in lockdown London and I hope that wherever you are in the world you are staying home and staying healthy and staying safe. Sitting down with me today for a glass of wine and to bring some lightness and brightness into your life is the wonderful Cat Sharks, fellow marine biologist, freedive instructor, shark ecologist, drone mother and general badass woman that I adore. So today on the show, we will be talking about sharks, our favorite stories from the field, and of course, crashing drones, and all of this over a glass of wine. So anyway, Kat, welcome to the best podcast you've ever heard in the whole world. Why don't you start off by telling me, well, us, your life story? Um, okay, hello, my name is Kat. I feel like that's already been established. Um, I'm a shark ecologist. Well, I'm a shark ecologist, but more recently I've been working with whales. So um, if any of you sees a shark anytime soon, please don't tell them. Um, but my background is in, I did my undergraduate degree in marine biology and my master's degree in marine ecology. And um, I've just sort of been traveling ever since I graduated um, and I've worked in quite a few different countries mainly with whale sharks and blue sharks and now humpback whales um, and how did I meet you Matt? oh we how... met on Instagram we, yeah, we met like, on the gram when? yeah but when when did we meet in real life or when did we meet oh, on the in gram? real life in real life was, we met uh... in a pub <laughs> yeah in a pub and it was after I'd gone to Battersea Dog Park yeah dog and cat animal park yeah um and you happened to be nearby and you came you came for one drink and then you were like anyway I have to go to the dentist or something oh no no I think I went back to the house of the guy I was seeing at the time I think we were on a date we had a date night I'm pretty sure you told me it was the dentist Yeah, either way. I remember I turned up at, I was um, kind of living in Battersea area at the time, and I came back and you were just there. And it was so random because we've been been speaking on Instagram for a few years now. Like, yeah, maybe like four years. I'm going to spend this podcast scrolling back to our first ever conversation. I'm going to find it. Yeah, and this is the crazy thing about marine biology is I think it's like a small enough world anyway, and then yeah. you go online and everyone is there, and it's so small. Yeah. So got to be careful not to mess up or do anything naughty. <laughs> oh, 28th of December, 2017. So that's it. It's been nearly, it's been two and a bit years since we've been talking. Yeah. The official statistic. Yeah. And that was you saying, hey, hope you're well. I've recently set up the Marine Diaries, a website about marine ah. conservation and diving and the lives of those involved in this world. Would oh. you be interested in writing for us in January? Which I don't How remember doing. I? Did I get around to doing that? I don't think you ever did. I'm sorry. You suck. Oh, yeah. This was, <laughs> I'm living in Cocos Keeling Island. It's insane here. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because that was my thesis year and I was That very was so busy. cool. I remember when you were doing that. It was so awesome. And do you know what? Yeah. This is actually a really great time to get into what we are supposed to be talking about on the potty today. 
and that is stories from the field. (laughs) (laughs) Not how much wine I've drunk, not how much gin you've drunk, but stories from the field. (sighs) So in the last few years, we've both spent a significant amount of time out in the field, conducting field research, um, working as marine biologists. And today, I'd like to talk about our stories and the experiences that we've had um, because I think we've both done some pretty cool things. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to kick off first? Tell me your most magical moment in the field. I'm shy. All right, I'll go first. Okay. Um, Hit me with your best field story. The moment of magic. Best field story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I feel like I might be cheating because it was really recent. I feel like this moment might be cheating because it was so recent. So it's it's locked um, in my mind. But I've just come back. Um, on Monday from I've been working in the Dominican Republic um, with the company called Conscious Breath Adventures who basically do whale swims it's a week liverboard um, out in the Silver Bank which is never north um, of the Dominican Republic about seven hours out whereabouts is the Um, Dominican Republic I know this is a stupid question but I actually haven't done geography since I was like 12 so (laughs) um it's it's just down from Florida sort of next to Cuba near like it's one of the Caribbean islands okay yeah fair um it's it's the one it's Hispaniola is linked to Haiti so if you know where Haiti is it's the same island yeah yeah, I actually do know where that is Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah so I've been there working on a liverboard um and actually my first week we were out on the boat for one of the days and so you take out it's 20 guests and you take two different boats and we got a call from the other boat saying like hey we're seeing some cool stuff over here you might want to come and check this out but we were we were watching a a mum and calf and seeing if they would go into a resting place so we could get in with them and so we were like, well, we'll chill out for a bit. And then over probably the next course of an hour, the other boat were radioing us and saying, hey, you should probably come over here. Like, you, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool, but really playing it down. And eventually we were like, okay, fine. Do you know what? We're just going to go just to say that we've we've done it. It might be nothing, but let's try. And we get there and we spent probably the next three hours switching between the two boats um, and it was five adult humpback whales oh my in the water. It was the best. Oh, it was the best day of my life. Um, one female, and then all of her boyfriends. So it's so you have the with the humpback whales, you have the the females, and they usually have what's called an escort, which is basically her favorite boyfriend who tends to go everywhere with her when you're in the when you're in the um, breeding grounds. And then you have what's called the challengers, which there can be any number of challengers really, but usually usually no more than two. But in this case there were three. And they're just all fighting for her attention. And as soon as we got in the water, they were more fighting for our attention and they were <laughs> swimming past us. And it was just hours because and we get out because you don't want to spend too long in the water. And as soon as you get out, they're swimming over to the boat and they're peck slapping and tail lobbing and doing all this behavior and they're like get back in the water now and you get back and they're just following you around and these humpback whales i mean they're adults so they're about 15 meters oh my the gosh pecs, literally it was amazing the pecs are usually on average about a third of the body length so the pe- pecs in this case were about five meters and oh you just God. and they swim past you and I've this was weeks ago, and I still can't like fathom. It was amazing. Honestly, so yeah. I've actually never seen a whale in the water. <gasps> I know, I know, I know. 
And there's like this huge assumption that all marine biologists have, you know, been with whales. And yeah. I saw a grey whale once from the surface and that was it. Oh no. And it was like for one second. I've never seen a grey whale. Well. So that's cool. Yeah, but I mean, not as cool as that. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. When you're in the water with them, what was their behaviour like? Was it aggressive? Did they come really close? Not, yeah, or Yeah, not at all aggressive. I mean, they probably are in life, but in my experience in, in the there and also working in Igloo Reef and in Iceland, they're just, if they feel threatened, they will do something that says, you know, which is usually will be um, a, a very swift movement of, of the pec fin of, of their arms, essentially. Yeah. Um, can you just back off? I'd rather you just not be here. Um, so that's, that's the good thing about, you know, getting in the water with the guides is they can say, okay, well, they don't like our behavior, so we'll move back out of the way. Um, but in terms of aggression, there was none. There was a lot of the calves there, and I was working with with people who've worked in Tonga a lot before. Um, the calves in Dominican Republic are supposedly significantly um, more curious than anywhere else in the world. They will really swim up to you and try and get an eyeful, and you can you can really see the whites of their eyes. Um, wow, that's really so curious, incredible. Yes, yeah. It was amazing so curious yes aggressive not not even remotely ever. yeah because this is a question that I get asked a lot as a person who works with megafauna is mm. are sharks aggressive are manta rays aggressive are you not scared when you're in the water with them and now I don't have very much experience personally with mammals I worked with sea lions um years ago now mm. and my answer is always the same yeah I'm sure they are aggressive sometimes but no I would never be in the water with them if they were acting in that way. Exactly. Yeah. You got to read the behavior yeah. of the animal. And as you just said about the fin slapping on the water, the second you see a warning sign like that, that's like, okay, abort, let's get out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. They, they very well know when they need to be aggressive and it's really not around humans. Yeah, I agree. The, Most yeah. of the time, it, it just isn't around humans. And of course, you all see that viral video of that guy that got, you know, attacked by an orca or a shark or something because blah, 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 blah. Mm. Most recently, there was this one I remember watching where this guy was literally diving on top of a manta ray. And then have you seen it? I think it's at Socorro. And then the manta ray literally uh. like back rolls into him and almost flips this guy's tank off. And the comments on the video were like, oh, that manta ray was so angry with him. He was so aggressive. And I was like, actually, I think what happened is the manta ray sensed that something was above him, tried yeah. to roll back, rolled back, yeah. caught the diver by mistake, freaked out even more, and then got away. He probably thought it was a remora or like an itch or something. And he's like, I'll just pop that off. Yeah, like normal. And then, yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. The, the mantas in Socorro, though, are clumsy. I worked there for a few months and they are not clumsy. I wouldn't go as far as because they're very intelligent animals, but they are definitely um, carefree. So they'll do movements and they're, they're the only mantas that I've ever seen that don't seem to have the spatial awareness. Oh my gosh. It's so funny <laughs> that you say this, right? Because so I going on now to one of my field stories, really. Um, yeah, what your magical moments. So I um, ended up going out to Hanafaru Bay, which is this world famous site in the Maldives for the largest known aggregation of manta rays in the world. So that means basically the mm. largest known cluster where they all come in together. And it's incredible. 
But before I went out there, so I've been obsessed with mantas for a few years now. And um, I always used to tell people when I was working as a marine biologist or a dive master, I'd always say, um, mantas have this innate ability to be spatially aware, like they'll come so close to you and never touch you, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, and then I worked out in the Maldives <laughs> and I watched these mass feeding events where they would literally bounce off each other, <laughs> hit, they'd hit me, they'd hit <laughs> random guests in the water, they'd hit each other. And I was sat there and I remember thinking, I literally have to rethink about all of my knowledge that I've been telling people about manta rays. Yeah, I can't ever because... tell people that manta rays are intelligent ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did get to that point sometimes. Like there were so many points where you literally watch them swimming so fast towards each yeah. other and you were like they're gonna move at the last <laughs> second like they normally do at a cleaning station they're gonna move and no they don't <laughs> they just smash up into each other they're so obsessed with all this plankton which is the food they're eating in the water mm. so I went out there in um September last year to work with Manta Trust um I was one of their research interns and it was the most incredible opportunity that I've ever had in my entire life. Mm. Every single day we were in the water, in the tropical coral reefs of the Maldives, studying mm. um, this, this large aggregation of manta rays. And the reason why they come to this specific location is that um, it's a very unique topography. Mm -hmm. So the way that the sea floor is and when uh, the monsoon winds are blowing in the right direction as well, you have all of this plankton, which gets kind of funneled up this bay because it's this really narrow channel and it all collects in the end of the bay. And it's about an area the size of a football pitch. And that's why you get hundreds of mantas. I think the highest known recording they had there was like 270, I believe. Uh, mantas feeding. At one time. Yeah, at one time feeding on um, this plankton in an area the size of a football pitch. And so for me, mm. my most magical moment in the field, again, it's been very recently for me, was definitely being in this bay surrounded by mantas. And when they are mass feeding like this, they actually end up... Um, feeding in a vortex in a mm -hmm. cyclone so they're spinning around around in a group in a circle amazing and the reason why we think they do this is because the motion of them swimming around in a circle draws all the plankton into a more dense mass in the middle amazing. and then that means that the mantas can feed on it more easily whether they're doing this consciously Mm, I don't know, but either way it works and they've kind of learned to capitalize on that, which is so amazing. That's amazing. We should definitely go out there next year. Okay, done, sold, <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, because I, I worked in the Maldives. If COVID's over. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> cheers mm. to the worst virus in the world. Yeah, cheers to that. Where were you working <laughs> out there? Um, I was, so you, so you, I think you were in Landa Gavaru. Yes, I was. And I, I was in Kudahura. So it was we were both with the Four Seasons. But ah, I was, yes. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Kudahura. And all your photos. Because I didn't have a drone when I was there. So this, And your drone photos. Yeah, this is actually different. the funny thing. So like you, I am a big drone mama. And um, mm -hmm. I got out there and to, to my... drone child. Yeah, I have a drone child. The first one I killed, I flew into the sea. It was horrendous. I feel... <gasps> 
oh no was it your fault yeah it was my fault it was my fault I was trying to get a cool shot in Raja Ampat and I was flying it along and I flew it into a pole and then it flipped into the sea and then obviously being drone mama I jumped in after it um but it was dead It, it was dead how about the SD card um it Thankfully, everything that was on it was fine, apart from the file yeah. while it was recording, which was corrupted. Which was the best one, yes, I guess. because I wanted to see the shot of it <laughs> falling into the sea, you know? That doesn't happen often. Oh, do you know, I think I saw you put, was this with the whale sharks? And you and you were really close to a whale shark? No, this was just after, though. That that it was like the, the week after. I feel like I remember you posting that and then, and then posting one um, that's you in your New Wave um, one piece. The like watercolor whale shark one, and you're sat. Probably, you know, I like to mix it up. But anyway, back to the original point, which was uh, flying drones over Hanafaru Bay. Yes. When I I I got out to the Maldives, I'd just bought a new drone after obviously the death of baby drone. Um, do you name yours? N- yeah, I do. Mine was called. Um, uh, oh my god, I can't speak Bahasa right now, so I've had too many glasses of wine. But it's called Gorang Pisang. Uh, which means fried banana um, pisang goreng there we are pisang goreng uh, which means fried banana because he was yellow he was a bright yellow drone um, but yeah now he's dead what about mm-hmm. you what uh, did you call yours I've had <laughs> don't judge me for how many there are I've had Evie Joey uh, Felix and Zoe how have you had so many I had mine for like three years I well I had I had one and then I and this is this is what I have a rule no guest pilots because I let someone else mm. uh, crash it rather than fly it so then that was that was two straight away and then I upgraded to Felix who's who's new baby who's um the Mavic 2 Pro Mavic Pro 2 we now say. have sister drones can I just say we both have the same one oh, well, mine just crashed mine just I was flying it and it just fell out of the sky into the ocean and it's and it's was this still, when you were in the Philippines yes and it's just there in the Philippines yeah. waiting for me to rescue her him him Felix I remember him. that and you were messaging me because I was in the Maldives at the time like oh my god I've just realized that my insurance isn't linked to my drone and you yes. were like oh well I've just crashed mine and I was like <laughs> oh my god and I was literally following your story updates like I can't deal with the stress of this no like I could not have asked them to be more perfect I I messaged them and they said we'll send us the flight record and I did and they were like okay we're replacing it like it was less than 24 hours I think and they sorted it out um they sent me a new one and then my friend I got it sent because I was staying in the Philippines for a while so I and my my friend Zoe was flying out two weeks later to come and see me so I sent it to her so when it got there I called the drone Zoe so my current drone is called Zoe that's a great name. I mm-hmm. have actually not named my new drone. And I've had it for a while now. I mean, <gasps> since last August. So If you don't name you... her, she's destined to die. That's oh, the I rule. love how you went for a she and I went for a he straight away. I feel like the he's are clumsier. I don't know. Fry, I don't know if Fry Banana was a boy or a girl. It was the gender. Like a boy name. Banana boy. <laughs> <laughs> Banana boy. But anyway, back to the original point. So I went out to the Maldives with new drone, Mavic 2 Pro. Mm-hmm. And um, I got there and the team were like, oh, yeah. So because of new regulations that have come in, you actually can't fly your drone over Hanafari Bay anymore. <gasps> because I'd seen all these pictures and videos from um, this guy yeah. on Instagram called Sidey. Sidey the shark. I was going to say Sidey the shark. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's like his stuff is insane. Um, and he is one, he's one of the guys that lives on the local islands and he's this amazing underwater videographer and, and drone pilot. Yeah. 
And yeah, um, so I obviously came out there and they said, no, the regulations have changed, which understandably, as soon as I saw the chaos that went on when I got out there, the amount of mantas that there are and trying to keep it safe for people and safe for the mantas and all of this stuff, I really, really understood that there's no way you could have 20 drones flying over at the same time. And, you know, you can get a special film permit. But apart from that, I think, yeah, one rule applies to everyone. Oh, my God. Wait, where are the photos from then? So, yeah, so I didn't fly my drone actually at all over Hanafari Bay. I flew my drone nearby. There are lots of other spots where you have um, smaller aggregations of mantas. um, And I also got some really cool dolphin shots as well because I have never seen so many dolphins in my life as in the Maldives. It's insane. Mm, Um, But one of the, the, the cool shots that you've seen on my Instagram and what I believe will be like the cover photo for the Ocean Potty podcast at this point, Mm. they're from my really good friend and the park ranger so the hanafari bay area is actually a biosphere reserve a unesco biosphere reserve uh, which means it's a protected area and it has rangers Mm -hmm. which look after it and um they have a drone which they use monitoring the bay and it was just really good fortune that um that fari the ranger managed to capture some amazing shots with us as as some of the mantas were coming by and yeah it was really special amazing i've just while you're talking found him br.ranger on instagram mm-hmm. he's there we are br.ranger go and check him out guys he is absolutely amazing i have never seen someone like the boat that we were on as is in when we were on the rangers boat out there the the boat was about the size of my bed right now and Farry was standing on there catching the drone mm. and i'm terrible at catching a drone on a boat Which i drone? honestly freak out every time i do it same as us mavic 2 pro oh no see the phantoms have handles so they're fine but as soon as it's our drone if the boat's yeah. below like one million meters it's terrifying it is terrifying. That is Cat- good from him. Yeah, catching a drone on a boat, I don't think until you've tried to do it, you understand. So there was actually this point um, when I was out there. So when I first got out to the Maldives, I had my new drone. And unlike Fried Banana, who was a, a Spark, I think that's what it was called, a DJ, DJI like the Spark. the tiny one. The tiny one, the mini Ooh, one. Yeah. And catching him, easy. It was so easy and landing it everywhere was so fine. Mm-hmm. But then I had my brand new drone when I went out to the Maldives and um, out there at the time was a film crew. And this film crew, they had um, people on board who had worked on Blue Planet 2. So yeah. not only was I starstruck by the fact that that's my dream in life, but um, <laughs> they were collaborating with Manta Trust, and our boat was always next to theirs for about a month um, every single day when we were out on the research boat. And I flew my drone most days. They flew their drone most days. And um, yeah, they were watching me land it on like the floor of the roof of the boat. And I mean, we're on a boat that's rocking from side to side, tipping. And even though I've disabled all the landing features of my drone, it's not going down. And there was this moment where I was like, oh my God, it's going to go in the water. It's going to go in the water. It's going (laughs) to hit the side. It's going to flip in the water. And I remember they were literally all watching and the founder (laughs) of Manta Trust as well all from this other boat next door too afraid to catch it at this point because the Mavic 2 Pro it's it's a bit of a bigger drone than the Spark she's high maintenance as well yes yes and and I was worried about catching it so I'm trying to land this drone on the boat and they're all watching and I'm like right here is my life's idol plus (laughs) an assortment of people that I admire so much and they're watching me try and land a drone on the roof (laughs) of a moving boat and yeah 
I, I successfully did, but I'm not going to lie. It was very touch and go for about 10 minutes. Amazing. Yeah, I think I think the Mavic 2 Pro tends to dodge. Like mm. if she thinks she's about to be caught, my girl anyway, she'll just dodge away because she thinks it's it's an obstacle. Yeah, and even if you've <gasps> disabled it, she's gone. She's gone. Yeah, don't like it. Don't like it at all. No, no, no. Not, no, no, no. not a fan. No, so no. tell me, what is your best moment that you've ever captured in the field with a drone? <sighs> oh, there's just so many. Yeah, I, you know, I feel like I have two. I have two, and neither of them are because of the quality of the footage, which is probably bad. But But one is... So when that first message ever that you sent me, when I was doing my research in, Coca, in the Cocos Keeling Islands, which for anyone who doesn't know where that is, it's including uh, me. if you take Australia and you go top left, it's, do, well, do you know where Christmas Island is? No. Or have you heard of it? I know where Easter Island is. Okay, don't go there. Um, <laughs> it's, it's essentially between Australia and Indonesia and a little bit to the left, a lot bit mm. to the left very remote and no one's ever heard of it and the total population of the island I was on was 100 and I was there doing my thesis research uh, which was essentially looking at how you can compare underwater um, videography survey surveys to aerial surveys in regards to which is better at researching sharks in shallow water that's so interesting it was so interesting and it was my master's thesis and I'd had loads of trouble finding somewhere that I could um, base my research. And I'd been looking to South Africa and they were trying to charge me £12,000, which I <sighs> don't think I'll ever have in my life to spend. Yeah, um, same. And I was complaining to my friend who I'd met. You, you've done Operation Wallacea, haven't you? I have. Yes, I have. I did my master's with them as well. Oh, really? Which site? On the Indonesia? Hoga, yeah. Yeah, so I was in Hoga a few years before you probably, and I met a friend through there. He was, he was a really close friend of mine. I was just complaining to him that I didn't know where I could do my research. All I wanted was someone who did um, BRUVs, which is baited remote underwater um, video surveys, and I could bring the drone. Honestly, one of my favorite things, really, really cool type of research. But what, BRUVs? Well, right. Yeah. And so I'm complaining to, to my friend, he's called Martin, about this. And then out of the blue, he's like, right, well, I mean, if you need someone who specializes in that, my boss is the guy who invented it. <gasps> no. <laughs> yes, you and Harvey. And I'm like, what? And so he puts me in contact. And after one phone call, you and just like, yeah, sure, fly out. And I'd planned Ningaloo Reef. And he was like, no, you'll go to the Healing Islands. And I was like, mm, I'll persuade him, I'll go to Ningaloo. And he, there's just this one email I have that's one line. It says, um, YouTube, Cocos Keeling Islands, and let me know where you want to do your research. Uh, and it's it's heaven. Anyone listening to this, feel free to YouTube it. It's heaven. It's the best place that's ever existed in the world. Um, and, yes, yeah, so I went there, and I was heading up my own research. It was literally Ewan, this guy who's invented one of, as, as you said, and as I agree, one of the best research techniques in the world, was like, I trust you, go away, enjoy yourself, run this research. That's um, insane. And what kind of sharks were you monitoring? Uh, well, so it was supposed to be any kind of shark. So one of the things we were going to do was compare the diversity index for underwater and aerial surveys. Um, but actually, the, the, the spots I chose, it was it was pretty much only black tips. There was one tiger mm. shark that came through, but we were like, that's not worth 
pushing into the research because it's not significant enough data. Yeah. Um, so instead, we just sort of did a number count and, and um, populations. But so it ended up being only black tips, but there was a potential for more. But. So how many times were you flying a drone a day? Two, two times. It would have been more like I could have flown whenever. But I mean, as you know, as a drone pilot, obviously, if you fly at midday, all you get is the glare of the water. Exactly. And it's so annoying. Yeah, right. So I was getting up at 5.30, no, 5 every day, starting the flight, at, starting the transit, starting the underwater transit at 5.30 and starting the flight at 6 a.m. And then at the end of the day, which actually usually was around 3, so I'd get there at 3, start the underwater at 3.30 and start flying at 4. Um, yeah, so I'd fly twice a day. And so which method did you find was the best, most effective way of monitoring sharks? Man, I could talk about that for hours, but essentially... In a nutshell. <laughs> they're just both great because... And to, to, to do the specifics is the drone was catching a lot more. Like there was one transect we did where we caught five sharks on the on the bruv, which for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's essentially two GoPros or whatever camera you choose, two GoPros angled exactly towards something, which in this case for me was, was bait. Um, yeah. And if a bait, you were using things like fish? We were always using sardines. You can change it up, but that's just, it's not a well-stocked island. So sardines was the easiest um, species to catch. Um, But yeah, so it's on a meter pole. And if, and you can use this for anything. It's not, I was using it for sharks, but you can use it for fish or whatever. But any shark, in my case, that passed, um, that went past the cameras, you could click from the nose to the caudal peduncle, which is essentially the tail. And you can, using both cameras and the calibration, you can tell exactly how um, long the shark is, how tall, how tall, how long. How long? <laughs> and the way the GoPro is calibrated, you can tell how long a shark is or whatever species you're choosing to study. So they're very, very specific. Um, but there was one day, one recording, where we got five individuals recorded on the GoPros and 63 recorded on the drone. Jesus. And this is the thing about drones that I think a lot of people don't understand. So there's a really, really cool girl. Her name is Katie Ayers. Um, I don't know if you've seen her on Instagram, but she... She's one of my close friends. What? Okay, so she is currently (laughs) doing a PhD on sharks and she's recording them by drone and she's recording their migrations and she's someone I really want to grab on this pod as well. Um, Yes. This is what is so amazing about new technology and like drones, let's be honest, are a relatively new technology. And in science, mm-hmm. we can now harness this technology to kind of have a bird's eye view of what's going on that previously yeah. it was a helicopter that you could only use to see this kind of thing. And now we have a much cheaper way of not only seeing sharks from underwater, but like actually seeing like when you're underwater, visibility is yeah. so much more reduced than in air, even in, on like a crystal clear day. And then suddenly mm-hmm. you go up in the sky and the diver would have been like, oh, there were three sharks there. And you go up and you're like, hun, there were 35. <laughs> you missed so much. Yeah, well, her stuff, I, she's not um, not not allowed, but she's she can't release much of it because she's waiting to publish it in, mm. in obviously her thesis. But um, because I'm a personal pal of hers, <laughs> um, man, the stuff she showed me is like, I wouldn't even know how many sharks there are in like maybe a hundred, maybe a thousand, you know, you just glance it and you're like, there's a lot going on. Yeah. She's on to something with her research yeah. for sure. 
Anyway, I think we should probably wrap this up on mm-hmm. that note because otherwise I'm going to be Ed casting. Oh my God. <laughs> I have almost finished my bottle of wine. Can't believe this happened. We were only supposed to <laughs> chat can. 20 minutes, but um, wine and ocean chats carried on. So we'll see how long this ends up being. Um, but anyway, Kat, where can people find you if they want to find out more about you, your sharks Ooh. and your whales and everything? The best place would be on the gram of Insta, the Instagram, um, at oh, catsharks. Um, oh, sorry, I interrupted you there. Go on, say it again. No, you did great. The at catsharks on IG. Uh, um, that's the best place. That's That's where I post the most. And that's where you can find her. She does really, really great things. Her captions are amazing. Very witty. Very funny. <laughs> I wish I could be her, basically. Um, and anyway, Kat, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We will be recording another one very soon. We were supposed to do Multiple it tonight, more. but unfortunately, too much alcohol was consumed. Which is your fault and not mine. And so, on that note, outro. Um, da 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 you have been listening to ocean poddy with me mads ocean as always you can find the podcast on social media as at ocean poddy and me as at mads underscore ocean for additional episodes and info about the poddy head over to our website newwave.store slash ocean poddy and remember it's not all doom and gloom stay healthy and have a happy week guys